0: Welcome to another edition of the 21 News Podcast, and I'm managing editor Justin Mitchell, and it has been a trying week here in our community, and it is also Mental Health Awareness Month, and uh, And we have been and continue to explore a number of resources and ways to both improve mental health and also fight against stigmas surrounding getting help. And with us today is Dr. Kia Ray Pruitt, a psychologist with Cleveland Clinic's Center for Adult Behavioral Health. Doctor, thank you for being with us.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: So, Dr. Pruitt, uh, mental wellness is not really a one size fits all sort of a thing, is it? I mean, different things work differently for different people. So, I want to start with just some ways that people can proactively care for their own well being. And how do they find what will work for them? Mm-hmm.
1: That's a great question. Um, So I look at addressing your mental well-being as a form of self-care. And I like to tell my patients that self-care is not optional. Um, So the same way that we were prioritized our physical health um, is the same way that I feel folks should approach their mental health. Um, A lot of times people feel like they don't have enough time to invest um, in their emotional well-being. Um, But there's a recent survey that we did, Cleveland Clinic with Parade. And found that people um, who answered the survey said that finding moments, little five to 10 minute breaks, uh, was actually more helpful to them than trying to find like 30 to 60 minutes. And and I think that actually is a really good approach to doing something for your self-care.
0: Now it's it's Mother's Day this weekend and that study you mentioned found that mothers are among the in the most need of those kind of regular mental health mm-hmm. breaks. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? What are the unique pressures mothers face and how can they balance it all and still mm-hmm. take care of themselves? Mm-hmm
1: sure so as a mom myself um i have learned that we actually cannot balance it all as much <laughs> as um you know a lot of us like to put on our superwoman capes and and you know try and, and sometimes that's actually what we have to do we keep our heads down and and we get done what needs to be done but that's not sustainable you know all of us need help at some point and it would be great Um, If someone recognized when we needed help and jumped in, you know, to take a load off, but sometimes that doesn't happen. And so I think it's really important um, for women who are managing multiple roles to ask for help when needed um, and maybe let go of perfection. If if that's something that um, is kind of driving the desire to take care of so many different responsibilities all at once.
0: So it really is just about remembering that you're a priority too, mm-hmm. that everybody, mm-hmm. you, you do everything for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's great. And you are, mm-hmm. <laughs> you are wearing that cape. You are doing all of that. But if, yeah. it's, if that cape starts to weigh you down,
1: yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly.
0: <laughs> then it's, uh, you're not doing, then you're not, you're not helping yourself, then you're not helping right. anybody. I mean, right. You,
1: Mm-hmm. And that's a good point. So that's what I tell people too. Like a lot of women um, are fulfilling multiple roles as caregivers and it may not be kids they're caring for. They might be caring for aging parents um, or both. And so that can feel really overwhelming. And if you're also trying to work a full-time job and uh, maybe you're active in other organizations, so it's definitely a lot of responsibilities to keep up with. And so, um, but I tell people like you can't show up um, and be the person that you would like to to be, if you're not engaging in self care, um, and it's, I think that's especially important for caregivers. Like, you can't care adequately for the person um, if you're not taking care of yourself as well.
0: Now, I'm I'm gonna shift a little bit here. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking about we're talking about mental health, and mm-hmm. we're talking about ways to to care for ourselves in day to day life. Mm-hmm. But yesterday we had something almost unthinkable happened in in Mm -hmm. Lowellville where we had a young person shoot themselves in front of Mm -hmm. other young people. Mm -hmm. Obviously there are layers of, of mental health concerns there for both what that young person must have been going through and what the rest of that community Mm -hmm. is now going through also. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'd like to talk a little bit about families in that community whether their children witnessed anything or even in surrounding communities, how, how can they get through that, that kind of a trauma? What do parents and children need in a situation like that?
1: Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, well, first I just want to acknowledge the young student um, and, and my thoughts um, and prayers go out um, to that student's family and, and those Who knew them. Um, But you're right, like this is a trauma um, for everyone involved, you know, whether they knew that student or witnessed what happened or heard about what happened. Um, And so to be supportive, um, one, I think just acknowledging the grief and sadness um, and fear uh, that this may have caused, you know, so being able to, to recognize the emotions that you may be experiencing and validating those emotions as normal reactions uh, to what occurred. Um, Also, in times like this, um, people have a lot of questions. Um, Our brains, you know, naturally want to make sense of things, um, traumatic situations, and something like this really doesn't make sense. So we kind of try and come up with our own answers for things. And um, oftentimes people ask like, maybe if I would have done this, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. Or um, why did this happen? Or how did this happen? And I think rather than trying to immediately answer those questions, I think really just just really being supportive of one another um, and caring for one another is, is really the most important thing we can do right now
0: particularly for parents speaking to their young children. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a I'm sure there's a balance that needs to be struck somehow between giving mm-hmm. them their own space. Mm-hmm. But I also know that we've spoken to some mental health professionals who say, you know, yes, but mm-hmm. not until you've had kind of a potentially uncomfortable discussion with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to know that they're not, if they're quiet, that doesn't mean that they're not seeing things on social media. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean they're processing in a healthy way. It doesn't necessarily mean they're not thinking about hurting themselves. And that, so how do you broach those conversations?
1: Yeah, I, I think. Especially depending on the age, right? So I think, you know, having a discussion that's developmentally appropriate, right? So for the younger kids, they may or may not know as much about what happened, but for the older ones, you know, I think. Um, pretending like something like this didn't happen is not going to be helpful. So I think just bringing it to, um, you know, the child's attention and saying, Hey, you know, this awful thing happened. I just want to check in on you and just see how you're feeling. So I think approaching it with an open-ended question, um, you know, I'm checking in just want to see if you're okay. If if you want to talk about something Um, and if they are quiet, you know, I think, because they may not be ready to talk. Um, And I think because they're probably still trying to process what happened, especially for the ones that witnessed this. And so um, I think just letting them know, you know, like, I love you. I'm here when you want to talk, um, you know, just know if anything's bothering you, um, you can tell me, I'm not going to judge you. Um, So I think letting them know that you are willing to listen Um, and try to understand and, and that you're available to be there, I think is also important
0: now for the parents, because, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll tell you, I don't have kids in that district, Mm -hmm. but I've got kids right. I mean, my oldest is almost 20. My youngest Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. not even quite seven yet. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I've been doing news a long time and there's a detachment that comes with doing news because there's so much you process mm-hmm. that you just you know you have yeah. to kind of keep going yeah. and then every now and then there's a story that you can't you're, you're you can't detach from it's mm-hmm. just it's something that's going to affect everybody it's going to affect mm-hmm. a community and so parents particularly of students in that district mm-hmm. have to care about themselves too So as they're caring for their kids, Mm -hmm. what do they need to remember so that they can, you know, like we talked earlier in this conversation about, you know, what you need when you need to care for yourself in order to be able to care for others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they need to do something Herculean and superhuman right now in being there for their children. What do they need to be doing for themselves?
1: Mm -hmm. Sure. I think being patient. With themselves, because sometimes I think in situations like this, parents might feel like they have to get it right or they have to be perfect and addressing the situation. And I think reminding yourself that you're a human being just like your kids. And so you're not going to have all the answers. And so I think, you know, having self compassion and, and being kind to yourself for not knowing, you might not know the right things to say or the right things to do. And I think that's totally appropriate. And so rather than judging yourself for maybe not feeling like you have all the answers. I think just being kind to yourself in those moments can be really helpful. Um, And it's something you may even want to model for your kids as you're having this conversation. You know, you may want to share with them, like, I'm still trying to process this. Like, this was really scary for me. Um, I can only imagine what it's like for you, Um, especially if this is is a peer, you know, around your age. So I, I think just being human um, mm-hmm. And showing your kids that um, you also experience vulnerability is also another healthy way to to deal with this
0: type of trauma. Because we don't grow up thinking of our parents as human, you know. You look no, back and don't. you realize <laughs> you remember moments from when your par- when your mm-hmm. parents were the age you are now. Mm-hmm. At any point, and you go, "Oh man, if they, mm-hmm. I don't know anything. They didn't, you know. They they're just doing yeah. the best they can."
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But,
0: What are? I think you mentioned this briefly, but what what are the stages of grief that Mm -hmm. both the you know families and the community as a whole need to go through? Mm -hmm. What does it take to get back to something that feels like normal after something Mm -hmm. like this? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So I mean, people do talk about stages of grief, and you know, you might hear you know denial or acceptance, um, anger. You know, so there's different ways that people experience grief, and there's not um, it's not linear. And so, uh, I think people are probably just in disbelief right now. Um, this just happened. Um, I think people are still trying to recover and wrap their minds around what just happened. And so, um, I think it's going to take time, you know, for the community to heal and it's not going to look the same for everyone. Um, so some people may be very, um, verbal about what they're feeling or what they're thinking, whereas others might be more quiet. Um, You know, I think having crisis counselors or grief counselors available um, is definitely appropriate. Um, Having small group conversations might also be appropriate as well um, to kind of process things in groups uh, with like smaller groups of kids might also work, you know, depending on um, the availability to do something like that. So, So there's multiple ways, you know, people will work through this issue, but, but something like this, um, it's, it's going to take a while. Um, you know, this is an unforgettable time. Um, and right. so I think just kind of being patient with the process and recognizing that, um, it's going to look different for
0: everyone. So it really is all, uh, for everybody. It's all about mm-hmm. patience. This mm-hmm. is a process, mm-hmm. you know, people, when, when we go, when we, when you go through something so traumatic, mm-hmm. there's a part of your brain that's saying, All right. I want to be done with this. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to feel like I felt before this happened and you can't magically make that happen. You'll get there, but you got to be patient Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and you will be, you will be changed by this. I mean, it might not be ever exactly like it was before. Right.
1: Right. No. And and for a lot of people, you know, going into that school building um, or where the incident happened could be very traumatic. You Mm -hmm. know, it's just a reminder of what happened there. And so I think remembering that that's also a normal reaction for people like I I would imagine a lot of students and and staff um, working in the building they're probably feeling pretty anxious right now. Um, you know, a lot of parents, I know that they probably were worried about whether or not their children were in danger. And so they're probably still trying to reduce any anxiety or worries that they have about the safety of their own kids. Um, so yeah, it's it's not a one size fits all. And and there's there's going to be a lot of healing that needs to be done.
0: Absolutely. Well, Doctor Pruitt, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much, and and thank you for for being flexible on the topic here in yes. light of in light mm-hmm. of this week's events. I I really appreciate sure. it. You're
1: thank welcome. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.